Um, so, uh, Reverend Christina is going to bring us the word. Um, so, I trust that you've got a coffee to hand um, just to sit back uh, and enjoy what the Lord has laid on our heart to share with us this morning. God bless you. Good morning, church. Great to see everybody. Um, we thank God for technology and uh, uh, this has been awesome. It's really great to see all your faces. Doesn't it make a difference to be able to see everybody's face? And I really felt on my heart really to speak this morning on the second coming of Christ. Uh, before I do, um, I would just like to pray quickly, if that's okay. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that, Lord, that we've even been able to remember what you did for us, Lord Jesus, on the cross. Father, I just pray that as your word goes forward into our hearts, Lord, help us to understand, help us, Lord Jesus, to not have confusion, but Father, that every word will be clear and, and understood, Father. And so, Lord, I pray, Father, that as you give us hope for the future and a hope for eternity, Lord, that we will be excited because, Lord, we know everything is in your hands, everything is in your plans. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, you know, I was really praying about um, what to speak on this morning. And um, I had quite a few videos sent to me um, that wasn't from Wellspringers um, about um, the 666, um, the second coming of Christ. Um, and as I was watching the videos, the Holy Spirit was really talking to me about how even the Christians are confused about the, the second coming of Christ. Now, this morning, I want to leave this message with you, knowing that you have a hope, you have a joy, that you have no fear, that you will be able to look to the King of Kings rather than to all that is going on in the world. So, you know, right now we are living in a world of fear. We hear about this virus, you turn on the news, you see your neighbour, everybody is talking about this virus. This morning I want to take your focus off of this uh, conversation and put it onto the Lord Jesus. You know, the, the, the subject of the second coming is often a very fearful conversation or, or thinking. For years, I was so afraid to read the book of Revelation. And that was because, one, I didn't really understand it. Two, because it was frightening. You know, you read all about these horses and these, this fire and these things coming out, the, the sea and all this. And I was like, wow, this is too scary. I can't read it. And so I asked the Holy Spirit to help me understand it. I asked the Holy Spirit to give me a peace. And as I read it, I would be in the knowledge of what God was, was telling us to say. So... One of the things that I, I've realized is that these days people are so full of fear. They're, fear. they're fearful of the virus, they're fearful of their finances, they're fearful of becoming sick. There's so much fear. Well, you know this, you know what fear is? I put this, I don't know if you can see it. It says fear 
is the evidence of things that appear real. Fear is the evidence of things that appear real. Now, often people are so afraid of something, you know, and it might not it never happen. And it might not be as you think, but people are gripped with fear. In other words, if something looks like it's going to happen, they're afraid already. But it doesn't mean it's going to happen. It's only in your thinking at that time. Some, some of it does happen. But you know, when we are children of God, God is always there with us and beside us. You know, but I have good news for you this morning. Now I'm going to give you quite a few scriptures. So if you do have a, a pen and paper to hand, you can check out the scriptures at, at another point. That would be really good. But my first question is, you know, how is Jesus going to return? How will he come? You know, we believe that the second in the second coming of Christ, his return from heaven will be personal, it will be visible, and it will be glorious. A blessed hope for which we should constantly watch and pray for. We should be looking each time, each day, to the coming of Jesus. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and verse 17, it says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we, as in Christians, who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will be with the Lord forever. Oh, can you picture that? Worshipping Jesus every day at the throne of grace. How awesome is that? So when will this happen? No one knows the day or the hour. It says in Matthew 24, verse 36, the words of Jesus says, no one knows about that day or the hour or even the angels in heaven, nor does the Son of God, but only the Father that knows these things. Jesus may come in our lifetime. I hope he does. He might come in, in a year. He might come in 50 years. He might come in 100 years. We don't know. But I think... The signs are pointing to the time when Jesus is returning. You know, the Bible speaks of prophecies that are still to happen before the second coming of the Lord Jesus. We need to find in the word of God the missing pieces. You know, at the moment I'm doing a jigsaw puzzle. Um, it's not something I particularly usually do. It was just a, a moment of, oh, I'd like to do a jigsaw puzzle. So I got this jigsaw puzzle with a thousand pieces. I mean, how cranky am I? I don't do jigsaw puzzles. So it is becoming a real challenge to do this jigsaw puzzle. But all, when I got the box of jigsaws, all the pieces were broken into the box. The puzzle didn't come put together for me. It came in small, tiny pieces. So I had to put, put the pieces together to make up a one picture so that I could see the whole picture of my puzzle. 
And so each time I spend, a, my, could be a few minutes, could be an hour, could be a lot longer, trying to put the pieces together. Now you see the Bible is like that. It gives us a general picture of what the last days will look like. And if we put the information together through various places in the Bible, for example, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Matthew, Luke, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 2 Peter, and Revelations. They're just a few of the books that tells us pieces of the, of the end times. But we get a fairly good detail of things that are happening in the military, in the political, in the economy, in the spiritual, and also the moral situations in the day preceding to the second coming. So back to the puzzle. Sometimes the puzzle doesn't come together quickly because if I, like, I found that I've had difficulty with some area of the picture finding the pieces that are going to fit into that corner. And then another time, I find five or six pieces that I can just slot into place. And I'm like, oh, that's surprising. That came together really easy. But I'm slowly seeing my puzzle come together. And this is very similar to the signs of the end time. We are slowly seeing bits of the end times that are happening very slowly in a trickle. And then another time, we'll see a big splash of something in history happen that will put a bigger piece of the puzzle together. So are we in the end times? You know, I believe things are gonna get a lot worse than they are right now. Things are bad right now, but I'm telling you friends, they are gonna get a lot worse. But I don't wanna frighten you today. I want to encourage you because when we look for the, the signs of the second coming, one of the signs before the end has to happen is the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. We need to survey several important passages of the scripture. In Matthew 24, verse 15, Jesus refers back to the prophecy of Daniel 9:27. He says, Jesus says, when you see standing in the holy place, which is inside the temple, the, the, the abomination that causes desolation spoken through the prophet Daniel. This abomination or sin or, or sin in its worst is clearly seen by those living in the day and it will happen in the temple in Jerusalem. You know, Paul also describes the Antichrist in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 4. He says, he, which is the Antichrist, will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. But for all that to happen, there must be a temple in Jerusalem. But there hasn't been a temple in Jerusalem since after death, the year 70. 
Therefore, if these verses are literally to be fulfilled, the temple must be rebuilt in the last days. If we are living in these days, we should begin to see a series of movements to rebuild the temple. Gershon Solomon, he is a leader, of, or was a leader, of a group called the Temple Mount Faithful. In October 1990, a riot broke out when his, when his group led a march in Jerusalem. They intended to lay a cornerstone for rebuilding the temple. The Arabs heard about this and it began to throw rocks over the western wall. The, Israel, uh, the Israelite police eventually opened fire and around 20 Arabs were killed and an international row of controversy descended on Israel. My point isn't to discuss this incident, but rather to point out the issue that rebuilding the temple is a very live one. Right now, there are at least five different Jewish organizations dedicated to one, rebuild the temple, and two, restore the ancient Levitical sacrifices where there, that is part of the, the temple building where the animal sacrifices would be held. Already, young boys are already being trained to lead animal sacrifices in the rebuilt temple. Temple artifacts are being made and new temple garments have been designed. This is in the times for the new temple was written in 1989. The, where the rapture will happen before the Antichrist. The Antichrist cannot be set free to take control of the world until after the rapture has happened. Friends, we are, we are, if we are children of God, we have nothing to fear. In 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 6 to 12, in the message, it says, you'll also remember that I told you the, the anarchist is being held back until just the right time. That doesn't mean the spirit of anarchy is now not at work. It is. It's secretly an underground, but the time will come when the Antichrist will no longer be held back, but will be let loose. <laughs> but don't worry, the master Jesus will be right on his heels and blow him away. The master appears and puff, the anarchist is out of here. Now that's after um, the rapture, that's the thousand years of millennium. Verses 9 to 12. The anarchist is coming. The anarchist coming is all Satan's work. All his power and signs and miracles are fake. Evil slay of hands that plays to the gallery of those who hate the truth. And since they're also obsessed with evil, God rubs their noses in it, gives them what they want. Since they refuse to trust truth, they're banished to their chosen worlds of lies and illusions. Yeah, the I'm, I'm listening to it. The Antichrist will rise to power after the rapture of the church. 
You know, he cannot be revealed as the Antichrist until the church is here. You see, the church has power. We have the Holy Spirit. We bind the enemy. We bind what Satan is doing. Now, that doesn't mean that the enemy is not doing bad things. That does not mean that, the, that these things are happening. But the Antichrist is not going to be able to be released in its fullness until the, after the rapture. Because the church is moving. The church is powerful because of the blood of Jesus and our prayers and our, our intercession for the, for the world and, and against the enemy. We can bind the works of the enemy. We can bind the power of what the enemy is trying to do in, in Jesus' name because of the power of the blood of Jesus. It's only after the rapture it's possible for the devil to take control of the world completely. Until that power that limits him is being removed. Only then he can rise and become the world's greatest dictator. Now, if you believe in the rapture of the church, like I do, the church must also come... Sorry, I've lost my way. After the rapture, the tribulation begins and the Antichrist is revealed. Then you don't have to worry about the mark of the beast or as we often know is the mark of the 666. So, are we living in the last days? No one knows for sure. But consider these facts. One, there's a clear pattern of evidence laid out in the Bible concerning the last days. If you put together strands of the prophetic and from the old and the new, you'll discover detailed pictures of the end time landscape, morally, politically, spiritually, military, and economically. Two, there is an amazing similarity between our world and the word of the Bible, which describes the end times. If you doubt what I'm saying, you pick up your Bible in one hand and pick up the daily newspaper in the other, you will find a lot of um, uh, consistency together. Three, if that's true, then we may indeed be the generation that's privileged to see the coming of Christ. Lastly, four, every sign points to one direction. It won't be long now. So imagine that you have gone to see a musical at a theatre. Before the, the curtains rise, before the play begins, there is noise, bustle, confusion. There is movement, movement behind the curtains, the sound of instruments warming up. Ushers seek latecomers, friends greet each other. The sound of the instruments are warming up. Others are looking at their program. Then the lights flicker on and off. Before long, the house lights go down. A hush falls. The conductor lifts his baton and the overture begins and the curtain slowly rise. Where are we in this sequence? The curtain is still down. 
the music has not started. People are still coming in. But I left out one thing. Just before the house lights go down, the noise of the crowd rises to a roar as everyone talks at once. They know the play is about to begin. That is where I believe that's where we are. Almost everyone is seated. The appointed hour is here. The noise that you're hearing is the unpleasant mixture of loud sounds of voices in the world just before the house lights go down. Will we live to see the end of all things? Are we the generation of rapture? Is it possible that we will hear the shout, the trumpet and the voice of the archangel? It's very possible. The stage appears to be set for the final act of human history. So how should we live? If this is all true, what sort of people should we be? What difference would it make if we believe that we're living in the last days? One, we ought to be good students of culture and history, not like those who constantly scan the papers or listening to the news looking for final clues to the prophetic puzzle, but instead watching for a pattern <laughs> of unfolding of end time events. Two, we ought to live with energy and enthusiasm. The message of the coming of Christ ought to fill us with tremendous excitement. These are great days to be alive. We ought to be saying to each other, go for it, go for it. There is no time to put off living for God. It's rather a day to be fully committed, 100%. We need to be fully engaged and fully involved. We need to be aggressively serving the Lord. This is no time to play it safe. Three, we ought to make an inventory of the way we've been living. You know, often people say, if I knew Jesus was coming tomorrow, I would dot, dot, dot. What would you put there? They would list the changes and they would make differences. You know, but one day this is going to be true. Therefore, we ought to live the way that we want to be living when Jesus comes back every day. Do we need to be making changes today, ready for tomorrow? You know, these are great days. Thank you, Chantel. These are great days to be alive. These are great days to be alive in the greatest days in all human history. Think of it. We may well be the generation privileged to see the return of Jesus Christ. If that's true, there's never gonna be a better time to be a Christian. If that's true, there's never gonna be a better time to tell others about Jesus. If that's true, there's never been a better time to raise your family. As the Bible says, perilous times will come. But in this, we have the words of Jesus. See that you don't be afraid. If Jesus comes today, will you be ready? If he comes tomorrow, will you be ready? If he comes in your lifetime, will you be ready? If this is really the rapture generation, the smartest thing you can do is to give 
your life totally to Jesus Christ. And that if he comes today or tomorrow, next week, next year, or a hundred years time, you will have no regrets, but be ready to see him when he returns. But you know Jesus today. My question is also, do you need to make changes in your life? I would like us to pray right now. I actually would like to do the sinner's prayer. And if you believe that you need to do that prayer too, you know, don't put it off. So I also want to say, you know, my brothers and sisters, be hopeful, be at peace, be happy. Despite what the world's going on in, in each day that we face, despite what people are saying, we have a hope today. We have a hope in Jesus if we are the children of God. And so when you hear of all the people saying, where is our hope? We have the answer. We must share it. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for today. I thank you you have given us this day. And Lord, I just pray for those who, Lord, want to receive you into their heart right now. Lord, help them to say, Father God, I am so sorry for the things I've said and done wrong. Lord, I am a sinner, but I've come to you in repentance and I say I'm sorry. Please forgive my sins and come into my life. Help me make the changes I need to make. Help me understand your word that I can follow the instruction. Come into my life and be Lord of it all. I believe you died and you rose again for me on the cross. And so I say thank you in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. Amen. Father God, I pray for each one of us that need to make changes. God, as we take stock of our life and what we do in our lives, what we listen to in our lives, what we say in our lives, Lord, if you come at that moment, Lord Jesus, help us not to be ashamed. Lord, that we will live the way that you have called for us to live. Let your fruits be alive in our lives, Lord God, every day. Father, thank you for that hope that we have in you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can look to you, Lord Jesus, for all that we need. We can look to you, Father, for that peace and that hope that you have for us today. And so we say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.